0: I'm Dr. Gene Hempster For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, August tenth, 2019.
1: Economic health of this nation has been. four essential
0: economic freedoms.
1: The excessive decline mm-hmm. in the dollar. It's a is great.
0: So late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's
1: amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Money Talk too. Money Tool.
0: Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on Radio Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon, your host for the day, here with uh, Jarrett McKenzie and Melanie Wells, and uh, we are
2: uh glad to be back.
3: It's been a while for me. Yeah, I haven't been on in a while either.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm still the same old hipster. I mean, you you caught it <laughs> coming in, right? I a little bit. Yeah, how about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I'm trying. I, I'm trying to be more relatable to those that are much younger than me, that are uh, that are true hipsters. Um, I'm, do those
3: hipsters listen to the radio?
0: I'm, well, maybe not. But I mean, those that don't might get a chuckle at me well, trying to go. be an idiot. I mean, I mean, <laughs> a hipster
3: for
0: the few that do. Yeah. For the few that do, yeah. I mean, let's Keeps face you young, it, Troy. nobody yeah. in here has a man bun, although when I grow up, sure. I want to grow one. <laughs> Jarrett, you're looking kind you of bald over I there. Need,
2: yeah, well, that's the way I like to keep it, you know. We can not a, put not a, a ribbon, man bun guy. Put
0: a ribbon on your head and call it a man bun or something <laughs> like that. Yeah,
2: no? got plenty I of mean, ribbons at the house.
1: i sure lots
2: of Oh, them. yeah.
0: Let's face it. Now, you could. You know, uh, Melanie, you have a bun this morning. I or know. this. Uh, I... I always mess with my daughters telling them that they have a man bun when they do that and the girl bun i guess it is yeah but it's the woman yeah i'm i'm fully aware i'm fully aware that there's a gender uh, denoted by by the the man portion of that man bun but hey it's fun to Bother my daughters. That's what dads are for. Oh, Jerry, yeah. you it's part of the people.
2: role it is. I mean, right. There's an expectation there. So
0: if I said it yeah. right, they, I mean, how much fun would that be?
2: Mm-hmm. None to anyone. That's true. Yeah. So That's
0: true. Uh, and Jerry, by the way, just because you're follically challenged, <laughs> doesn't mean that you can't still, you know, turn your pants up a couple of couple of rolls.
2: Oh, don't even get me started because that apparently is the new fad. And every single person at middle school, I go it's to football it's practice. It's gone to middle school. Football oh. practice for my son last night. Every single person on the team I had their I had their pants turned rolled up. up. Yeah. yeah,
3: I have
2: not seen this. Oh, it's, what? it's
3: but I'm also not really around a lot of high school. My son will
2: not no, leave. He not will not leave high the school. house. This without. started.
0: This started with the millennials. Huh. Uh, Melanie, you're just, gonna I'm have a to bad wake
3: millennial. up. Millennial, I'm just not with the time. <laughs> Melanie, <laughs> have, have you ever ridden
0: a bird scooter?
3: No, I haven't. I'm too scared.
0: <laughs> no, none of them. Uh, Jared, no, Grandpa haven't. Millennial, that's he's right. like right at the very end of the, of the generation. Took the leap. Has ridden a scooter. <laughs> one of those electric scooters that, you know, are so
3: dangerous yeah. when you hear about I mean, I see him. I just don't trust myself.
2: Yeah. I'm pretty Well, sure apparently they're pretty right dangerous. I, I think mm. the news yeah. last night was just saying there was another death. Yeah. Uh, from one of them. And uh, that man. would
3: be me. I would be the person that can't well, control mm-hmm. it.
0: if if in the street. Uh, if yep. that's what it means, then by I'll all stay means, awful. stay off. But, um, you know, I still look at you differently now <laughs> because you just have failed your, your I'm millennial know, generation. i a bad millennial. And the fact that you haven't noticed this thing where you where the guys are wearing yeah. their pants turned up. I mean, I could do it, but it'd show my black <laughs> socks off.
2: This is a daily daily debate at my house. I mean.
3: Now that you guys say it, I'm sure I'm going to. Because
2: it's driving moment. me crazy. I hope you do. Okay. Uh, I hope
0: you know.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's it's just gotten out of hand.
0: Next thing you know, he's going to be coming home with a Jeep and have all kind of like a shovel tied on top and a, oh, a couple of I gas i got to draw cans. a line
2: somewhere. Sure. Oh.
0: Well, a Jeep, yeah. I probably wouldn't let my kids <laughs> drive around in the Jeep either. But oh, anyway, yeah. uh, back to finance. How about that, yeah. guys? Um, oh, yeah. This is a show about finance, believe it or not. But I always like to start out with a little bit of, yeah, you know, back
2: and forth. Well humor is so, good.
0: Something uh, interesting to talk about. Uh, Absolutely. Not that finance isn't interesting, if you don't believe it. I mean... I um, I love this stuff. But uh market has been down this week, so you heard me last week, like every week, say the market's up. I was wrong, but it's very seldom that I have to admit that I was wrong because two out of three days, the market is up on average over a very, very long period of time. So uh, yeah. anyway, yes, I am a broken record. I always tell you, at the end of the show, the market will be up, but uh, it doesn't always happen that way. We did see some volatility and... It was all based on the fact that Monday, um, China pulled a slick one on us. They uh, allowed their currency to devalue. China's got a pegged currency, meaning that it's managed to make sure that it doesn't devalue too much relative to uh, the U.S. dollar. I mean, we're among their biggest, if not their biggest, client their biggest Mm -hmm. customer we buy many of their goods in fact we buy many of the global Mm -hmm. uh, goods we are good consumers if nothing else um but uh what they did was allowed their currency to devalue it was at about 3.5 yuan per dollar uh sunday by monday morning it was over seven Mm -hmm. so a pretty significant devaluation of the currency uh, it prompted the president and our treasury secretary to come out and uh, start calling names, telling them that they were a, a currency manipulator. They've been doing this forever. I mean, you know, what's what's going on? It was in retaliation for the 10% tariff uh, that President Trump said that he was going to add as of September 1st on about $300 billion of goods that we buy from China. Uh, they also said that they were going to quit buying agricultural products Uh, from the United States. So I'm not sure what kind of a crunch that puts them in. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the Midwest is is big on feeding them all kind of grains. Um, Soybeans, I'm not sure where they'll source that or if there is a source big enough to feed that many folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still believe that uh, China's going to lose bigger than anyone else, but I'm also saying that um, we're not going to walk away unscathed.
2: Yeah, no one will probably, but yeah. they're, they're spiteful enough to try to draw this out until the election, which is, I would think, my biggest concern, you know, just trying to wait for someone else to negotiate with because they don't like Trump's tactics. And, yeah. you know, I mean, who knows when you're dealing with a communist country, it's it's hard to tell what the next right. I think that's what, a lot of what happened Monday was because of how surprising some of that was. Exactly. And the fact that, you know, that they, they it's been somewhat of a trade war that almost became a currency war right uh, given some of what you were just talking about so yeah it's it's very difficult to gauge when you're talking about the chinese uh yeah. not know
0: well tuesday they came back on and said oh we're not a manipulator we uh uh that was market forces we didn't do that on purpose it wasn't <laughs> intentional but at the same time they did make sure that we knew that they weren't buying agricultural products it's yeah it's anybody who believes that they didn't do this intentionally is a uh, a lot more naive than i would ever uh, expect that a human could be um but you know at the same time you've got uh you've got a situation this is probably the the one topic that uh pretty much goes to both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. for Trump uh in as much as uh this is a, a very the labor unions love to uh to talk about having an even playing field uh as does Technology companies, both of those groups tend to lean pretty left. Um, but in this regard, you know, they, they have been somewhat supportive, at least early on, in, uh, in the, the way that we might get rid of this. I honestly can't tell you a, a better way, but there is no economist in the world that's going to sit back and support uh, tariffs on trade of any sort. It, mm-hmm. uh, the, the biggest thing is it's kind of a tax on your own um, consumer, so who's going to ultimately pay it? It's going to be the U.S. consumers, the agricultural pieces, the Midwest, which is a huge block that is uh, is supportive of, of uh, Trump, or at least they were in our 2016 election. Um, I believe, just as you said, Jarrett, that uh, this is a tactic that the Chinese uh, have decided they'll just be patient. Once uh, Trump heard they're going to be patient, then he decided he would step up the pressure. Uh, in his stepping up the pressure, he got this retaliation. So, uh, it, I, what I thought was just a negotiation tactic uh, is turning into a trade war for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and this is, um, you know, I, I really didn't give the uh, the Chinese enough credit for uh, just just how uh, uh, stubborn they could be. But hey, there you go.
2: Well, they're they're suffering themselves pretty badly over there right now, based on some of the reports that have been coming out. And I guess if they can, maybe maybe you know, it's worth holding out for. But I don't know that that's going to really. It seems as though with these negotiations, the more and more that comes out about it, I mean, they've got to resolve it sooner. It's the spitefulness that scares me that has come out in the past that they would do it just to ensure there's no re-election by the current administration, you know, so that just for no other reason than for them to have someone new to negotiate with because this all came about because of of the current agreement and how badly it was positioned towards us. And this is what happens sometimes during negotiations. There's short-term pain, but I think it's important that we all keep in mind how – the long-term effect of this, is, is that's what the eye is on, you know, sure. looking down the road to say we would be better off long-term, even if it's going to cause some short-term pain. You can't fix big problems without that. It's like its like the national debt, as we've talked about before. You, for us to fix that and, and for, to bring it down, there's no way to do that without some short-term pain. But long-term, that's a very good thing. So, Right. It just, yeah. it, it's part of it. It happens, and hopefully it just won't draw out as it seems to potentially uh, – be doing right now
0: yeah i i agree with you jared and as much as um uh something's got to happen to snap you know their protection of their industries um they're the second largest economy on the globe and they still have to be protected from outside interests it's it's bizarre to me that they can even do this with a straight face so um, you know, I, I guess this is, uh, this is what we're going to live with. And, hey, let's face it, there's nothing that says, there's no guarantee, in fact, that Trump's not going to be reelected.
2: What are they getting, mm-hmm. you know, what do
0: they do if, uh, if that goes th- or yeah. against
2: them? Could get even worse for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, we'll uh, continue watching that situation. But uh, for now, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, we will uh, talk about a dog of the week. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks.
4: This is the dog. The dog of the week.
0: All right, we got a dog of the week this week. It uh, might be considered a different animal, if you will. And it's just perfect, except it's about three months late. <laughs> um, it turns out this story comes out of Reuter, Reuters, out of London. That's easy for me to say, Reuters. Uh, <laughs> there has been a study... By a group that says um, you can stop seagulls from stealing your food just by staring them down. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, how much bizarre, how much more bizarre can you get? So what they've done, they've had lots of problems in London or along the Mm seacoast, you know, in in the UK with uh, seagulls snapping people's. Treats. Uh, you sit there eating potato chips, they fly in and grab them. So they decided to do this study uh, where they would have individuals hang out, and uh, they would, when seagulls came in, started encroaching on your potato chips,
2: you, the you just down. look
0: at them. Yeah, you just Staring stare, with a bird. stare at the seagulls. And this is seag- a
2: temporary fix, or are you no, about well, to tell us that they no. basically left and didn't come back after that?
0: Well, no. Uh, they here's here's the way it Just worked
3: out. Show the dominance.
2: <laughs> That's
0: right. They said the I mean, researchers them tried to test 74 goals, but most flew away or would not approach. So they're out there looking at them, and a lot of the birds didn't even approach. Uh, 27 approached the food. 19 completed the looking at and looking away tests. So they had a control where you didn't look at them or you did look at them. Um, of those that did approach, most took longer uh, when they were being watched. In fact, some actually flew away and didn't touch the food at all. So it seems that these guys are trying to scientifically prove that staring at seagulls makes them not eat your
2: sandwich.
3: I just like that this is a big enough issue that they did
2: a study. <laughs> yeah, they devoted an entire team of people to this. Yeah. Right.
0: So, I mean, you know, you, you've got kids that are getting ready to go back to college, might be looking for a major, uh, I don't know what this
2: would be, bird psychology. Yeah. I, you know. Seagull
1: studies.
2: Well, it's, it's, good, it's good info, though. I mean, it yeah. totally changes the next beach trip. That's what I was going
3: to say. Well, all this time. I'm just going to stare on down and get away from my pocket. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean, I hate the beach, but I'll go there just to stare at some <laughs> seagulls. I generally... Prefer to go to the mountains, yeah. you know, a lake mm-hmm. or something. I don't like the the sand and everywhere it gets. Mm-hmm. And the not seagulls a big fan. trying to steal your food. And yeah, I mean, you never yeah. run into seagulls Always. up at Allatuna. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, why not? If I'm if I now that I I know that you can stare down a seagull, I'm going to have to try this yeah. out. Well, yeah. And the only way to do that. it is get close to the ocean.
3: Next opportunity that I come into with a seagull.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah there will definitely oh. be verification of this study.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We'll and I hope back. I hope that it's not too late for everyone. I know we're going back to school. You know, summer's kind of closing in.
2: Oh, no, uh, we got one coming next month, the fall break. You know, there there you of, go. One, yeah. if one you of want, the 12 breaks they give them these Day
0: days. Weekend. Uh, Jared, I hope that when you get down there that you witness at least 20 people staring down seagulls. <laughs> I mean,
3: spread <laughs> the word. Just, just yeah. put yeah. a sandwich oh, down in a
0: in a lawn chair. Hang out behind it and, and give a, give the bird the evil eye. And tell us what happened.
2: I'd love to. My girls would probably be upset with me, though. They like to chase them for some reason. Mm-hmm. But it wears them out and keeps them busy. So
0: yeah. I, I know they're
2: not going to catch them,
3: them but yeah. not anymore. Yeah.
0: What so. if you did have a kid catch a seagull? Well, I mean, what are you going to do? And they didn't tell you until you got in the car, Hey, Dad, look what I got. <laughs> it's your new family pet. <laughs> <laughs> that so they be, let it go yeah. about halfway down <laughs> U.S., what is it, 98 or something down there?
2: Yeah, 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 98. That's right.
0: You let it go about a mile or two down the road.
2: They've come close. I don't think they've ever, they've ever gotten one, but reminds they get close me of sometimes. That,
0: that scene from Tommy Boy where the deer wakes up in the back seat. <laughs> Wears out the car. That is Jared the beats his car breaks. down with a bat trying to kill a seagull. Stephanie. <laughs> <She's definitely laughs> like All wow. right, enough foolishness again. Uh let's talk a little bit about something more serious. Um we have a situation we wanted to bring up. Uh, it's it's really kind of a legal issue. Uh, none of us are attorneys, so uh, make sure to verify anything that you hear in this discussion with uh, with your legal counsel. But uh, uh, Bruce is a business owner. He's got a partnership with a longtime business partner, and uh, his wife Teresa works for a nonprofit. Uh, they recently purchased several rental homes. It's a pretty popular thing to do these days. Sure. Some rental it's a good property. source
2: of income. Yeah. And,
0: and not only a good source of income, but it's a good diversification move. Um, now Bruce's business partner is concerned about the liability that this brings to him, I guess, as as the business partner. Um, so how should the rental properties be titled to minimize the liability, I assume that that is one of the ways you can do it, just making sure that your ownership is somewhat protected, uh, maybe just tied to that one property and not to everything else you own?
2: Sure. Yeah, so that's, that's really what it boils down to is the liability exposure that's there as a result of you having this additional property because... I mean, who knows, the tenants of that property could have an accident on the property, and even if it's not a tenant, you might have a, a kid, a child running through the yard, and uh, there's a hole there, and they, they break their leg or ankle or whatever it may be, and you know, all of a sudden, if that person, let's say, doesn't have insurance, now you've got some, that, that's where the risk is coming from, and so one of the ways that people protect against that is to uh, create uh, limited liability companies, LLCs, uh, for which they transfer the title of that property in into the name of the LLC. It, it basically uh, protects it from any exposure outside of the LLC. So only uh, the, the assets within the LLC would only be subjected to any kind of litigation. Your personal assets are protected from anything that would arise on that front. Uh, and it's, it's, again, trying to minimize exposure that would arise from all these others because a lot of folks have multiple properties that... You know, if you let's say you've got five or ten properties, there's a lot of exposure there. You, you're running the risk of someone, uh, or even multiple people, hurting themselves, and all of a sudden, all of your personal assets, your home, you know, your your investment accounts, and and maybe not so much, four hundred ones and IRAs have some protection to a degree, but uh, there's a, there's a lot of exposure here that a lot of folks, when they buy a home, just like you would on your primary residence, uh, they they don't transfer the title and don't even realize that there is this risk that they're running. Uh, with With the liability that uh comes with tenants and you know multiple properties like that, so that 's just one of the ways
4: yeah
0: and jared it's it 's probably not sufficient just to break off your rental business and have multiple properties under the same l l c either. I would assume it 's probably good to have one per
2: yeah generally, we would recommend each property have its own l l. c so that for the same reasons we just mentioned containing that exposure into just this one bucket if you will and and ensuring that you're not exposing all the other assets in your life to the risk that comes along with with adding those these these or having these properties because again you, you're not going to you wouldn't buy a stock and have the same exposure that you have when buying a, a piece of real estate because you don't have a tenant or or the potential of someone cutting through your yard and, and hurting themselves on your property. Uh, you know, they, they might have, the tenants there might have a, a neighbor over and the kids are jumping on the trampoline and somebody, you know, bounces off, breaks their neck. It, those sound like really, really far-fetched things to happen, and they are. They're not common by any means, but they have happened. I've seen claims in which those kind of things have taken place, and, The structuring things this way would certainly help to prevent liability exposure arising from that so that your personal assets, as I mentioned, are are going to uh, be exposed and potentially uh, up in litigation uh, from whatever arises out of the situation that happens. Uh, So that's one of the ways you can uh, protect against some of that. Another, Another thing we see often is, Uh, spouses transferring ownership between them, uh, because it's really who who owns the property, who is the title of the property in, and it's that person who maybe, let's say, is a stay-at-home mother, doesn't have uh, any income or any other accounts, assets that are going to be subjected to potential liability or litigation. There are instances where it would make more sense for one spouse over another to own it if there was less to lose, essentially. Uh, Let's say 95% of the household wealth is in one person's name. Well, you can own a property in, in the spouse's name and protect against some of that as well. The LLC is, is going to be a much better way to do that, but, uh, again, it's not the only way to to go about protecting and insuring against some of that liability that you otherwise have. Uh, owning some of these real estate or rental properties. Yeah. Well, and
3: I'm probably a bad example of this because my husband and I have a rental property, but we do not have an LLC set up for it. But we do have an umbrella policy.
2: Okay,
4: So we there have an
3: umbrella policy that would cover the liability. Because at this point in our lives, we don't have a whole lot in assets that we would probably have an issue with there being a claim more than our policy is. Mm-hmm. So we have, I think, adequate co- coverage that way, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now, is the cost prohibitive in a, in forming an LLC, or you just prefer to to buy the insurance?
3: Depends per state, probably, on the annual requirements. I mean, it can be cumbersome to do some of the paperwork, but, I mean, it's not anything that anybody can't handle, and it's worth doing for the coverage. The yeah. Yeah. And you should and probably attention.
0: have the insurance on the LLC-covered mm-hmm. property anyway, Right. right?
2: Yeah, and you—I mean, between I'd say six to eight hundred between drawing up paperwork for establishment of an LLC and then the filing with the Secretary of State. But to Melanie's point, the umbrella policy would also be a great way to provide coverage for this. And the umbrella policy is most definitely going to be much cheaper than the LLC, but it's—it's it's going to have its limitations as well because those will max out. Uh, so you want to make sure if you're using insurance to protect against. Uh, some of that liability that you otherwise have that the limits are uh, appropriate and would help to you to cover any any uh, expenses that may come about as a result of this, but yeah you know it's it 's about the titling, potentially moving it into an l o c or either the the umbrella policy as melanie mentioned i mean these are all good ways to address this, and something that You should certainly consider if you have a rental property and own it outright uh, in your own name.
0: Yeah, there's one more question I'd like to ask, and we can answer this when we come back. We need to take a break, but uh, how about owning real estate in your IRA? Uh, When we come back, we'll answer that question and many other financial questions uh, from our listeners. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back.
1: That the sun got freedom, cause he gon' get when that music heal. Like bang, 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 darkness falls and in the nighttime I'm camouflaged. When you're pregnant, you start reading about the cost of having a baby. When you start reading about the cost of having a baby, you learn about the cost of sending that baby to college and immediately start saving all your money in a 529 plan. When you save all your money in a 529 plan, you save no money in your 401k, thinking your son will get a business degree from Harvard and take care of you in retirement. When you think your son will take care of you in retirement, he changes majors and gets Gets a degree in jazz studies. When he gets a degree in jazz studies, he moves back home with you and you have to support him. When you have to support him, you don't get to retire. Don't be forced to work through retirement to support your jazz loving adult son. Stop investing without a plan and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money
0: Talks. All right, we're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Melanie Wells, and uh, we've been talking about quite a few different uh, subjects. We do have a bit more to cover on this uh, this protection of your real estate assets, but uh, before we get into that, if you have a question we'd love to hear from you, uh, you can reach us at 1-855-429-9166. That's our question hotline. Uh, you call in, listen to our... Uh, Our recorded message, uh, leave one of your own, including the question. We'll play the question on the air and answer right behind it. If you prefer to talk to a human being, you can call in at 770-429-9166. Ask for Kelly Lynn, our radio show producer, and uh, she will take down your information and get us the question, wherein we can handle it that way. Uh, If you prefer not to call at all, You can email us at drgene at com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Uh, Just send an email and let us know what it is that you would like for us to uh, cover on the air. We'll do that for you. Uh, The other thing is you can go to our website, hensler.com, spelled the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Um, And we have quite a bit of information uploaded so that you can... uh, Check that out if it's a broad enough topic. Uh, it very well might be covered on uh, on our website under some of the content we have uploaded. You can also get a hold of us at just about any social media. I think we're on Instagram and what else?
3: All the things.
0: Facebook. YouTube. thought you were hip. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have profiles I'm, trying on be, these? I'm trying to be hip. I mean, I'm look, the look is first.
2: <laughs> hey, you can't be hip if you don't have social media profiles. Now. Well. I
0: mean, I know we're not on Snapchat, but I'm on Snapchat.
2: Are you really? Yep. Now I am impressed. I take all that yeah. back.
0: Yeah. Well, oh. I'm on it, but I won't let my kids be. How about that? Do people still use
3: Snapchat? It's still a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's still yeah. a thing. Instagram, I think is probably one of the most popular among the kids at this time. They don't want to read words, they just want to see a picture and move on.
2: Mhm.
0: But um anyway, it is
2: very popular. Yeah.
0: All right, so uh, before the break, we were talking about this. um, We had a situation where um, Bruce and Teresa recently acquired a piece of real estate. Bruce's business partner was a little worried about the risks that might be inherent to that and how he might uh, uh, take that so that it doesn't flow through into the business where his partner might be impacted. Uh, Jarrett, you shared with us... um, Probably the best way is the LLC. Melanie, you told us that you have a similar situation in your own personal situation, and uh, you've got an umbrella policy mm-hmm. that covers that. What about holding a piece of real estate, a rental property, in an IRA? You've got to have a special type IRA, but at the same time, I'm hearing this, uh, you know, I'm hearing advertisement about it from time to time and it just doesn't sound like the best of ideas to me can you guys expand on that a little bit
2: Yeah it's a consideration to be made as far as the liability exposure that we were discussing in the previous segment it's that's not going to do much for you in terms of protecting uh your assets from you know being included in any kind of litigation that may arise there's not that's not really the best way to address any liability exposure as far as that's concerned now there are other reasons where you might want to do that, and, and can you do that? Yes, you can. But again, as far as addressing it, uh, the, the liability exposure piece, uh, that's not going to be, because really that that's all about the titling of the asset. And so if you still own it in your name, and it's just held in a certain type of account, that's not going to do much for in terms of liability. But uh, there are some other reasons why you might want to consider that if if it's a liability issue and you're worried about exposure. Um, then something, you know, what we were talking about, LOCs, umbrella insurance, et cetera. Those are the better ways to address uh, that piece. Now, whether or not you can you can have it in the IRA, or if that's the best decision, is uh, you know a, a debate.
0: Well, think about, I mean, even on the topic we're talking about, what if what if you have this held in your in your IRA, and there's a claim against it, and you could potentially lose that mm-hmm. asset. In
2: a lawsuit. Yeah, well, that's precisely why we would want to do what we were talking about with the the, uh, the situation there, the case study. It's about protecting against those assets so that if something happens, yeah, you don't lose that entire account because everything that's there with it or that's in your name all of a sudden becomes subject to litigation. Well, if you're saving retirement, it just sounds
0: like too much risk to be taken.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would certainly keep it separate. I mean, if that's where the assets are, if that's where the money is, and that's the only thing that you have access to to purchase uh, the piece of real estate that you're looking at, well, okay, then maybe it's worth further discussion. But if there's a way to acquire it outside of that, I'm not sure that I wouldn't try and start there Better unless, or before unless there was a better reason not to. Because um, it, just, it just presents a lot of other cumbersome issues like what you were just saying, right. if you try to own it there. And, you know, I'm not – I just don't think that uh, – long-term, especially when it comes to selling that property and other things, it's, it makes it difficult to have to deal with when it's inside of a, a retirement account.
0: Well, we talk about this frequently. Real estate is an illiquid asset, mm-hmm. and at some point in time, the government is going to start doing what? Aren't they going to force you to take a yeah. withdrawal? So you're going to wind up in a situation where you've got a, a minimum withdrawal to be made from this Piece of property.
2: That's a good point.
0: What do you do in that case? Are you going to have to get a reverse mortgage on your rental house so that you can remove some of the cash uh, as the government forces you to, or do you have to sell the asset then?
2: Uh, you're going to have to find some liquidity some way uh, right. because there's no way for, for you to not. I mean, you're subject to a 50% penalty for any part of that requirement you don't take. And so, at some in some way or another, you have to take out a value equal to whatever the requirement is, and and that's a great point. If the IRA, if all that's owned in in that account is the piece of real estate, well, then you better figure out a way to to generate some liquidity uh, in some way because that requirement's not going anywhere.
0: So the rent that you achieved over certain years, if you haven't reinvested that and it's laying there in cash, might be a way to do that, but it's still, because of the fact that you have an illiquid asset in an IRA, and there will at some point, when you're 70 and a half, in fact, uh, come a day when the government says, okay, take your money. Mm-hmm. It could present some issues. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. You either have to sell it well in advance or, or whatever. I, it's, there's plenty of reasons for us not to uh, not to advise. Well, mm-hmm. when you
3: talk about it being illiquid. I mean, what if you did this when you're younger, in your 40s or 50s, and then you can't take that money out of your IRA without penalty right? until, yeah. you know, A certain age, or later on, when it's supposed to be used for retirement. Right. Well, that's why I say there's
2: there's just numerous things that you'll run into. I mean, because like what what you were just saying, what if when you know generally when we pass, if the house is owned, uh, let's say outside of the IRA, it's an after-tax asset. That house gets a step-up in basis. So if your if your beneficiaries are going to take possession of that asset, and it's had a, a five hundred thousand dollar gain because you bought it in, you know, say the '70s and owned it for 40 years. That gain, all of a sudden, is no longer a tax consideration for the sale of that property because you get the step-up in basis uh, with with the passing of the owner. So, if it's in an IRA, everything that you take from an IRA is going to be taxed ordinary income. So even though you might still technically get a step up, it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. The, the, in fact, the more the house is worth when that happens, the more you're potentially going to have increased required minimum distributions, the more tax you're going to have to pay. It's the same reason we don't want clients to own an annuity, nor, nor do we generally recommend those. But if they're going to have one, it's certainly not be in an IRA because some of the benefits, the tax benefits that you would receive in in owning those, are negated by the fact that it's in a tax-deferred account. That everything you take from is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates. Yeah,
0: at a later date, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So um, it seems to me that uh, one of the other things. Didn't we just have a, recently a change in law that uh, requires your your uh, uh, if you leave an IRA to your next of kin, it's got to be taken out. It can't be um, can't be pushed off. So now you've created a situation where that illiquidity is another bigger drag on, on uh, the folks that you've left it to your next of kin. Um, Think about that. I mean, instead of being taken out over a period of time when, uh, when they're um, uh, along, according to the IRS tables on their lifetime, now Mm -hmm. you have to remove all the assets in a shorter period of time. So now you've created an illiquidity issue, for those who you would leave your your IRA to.
2: Right.
4: Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, it seems to me like there are plenty of reasons that this was not uh, created uh, to to fit real estate. Uh, yeah. The IRA laws don't really.
2: Um, Most often there fit will be well. a more optimal answer uh, to that, unless, again, the money's just in an IRA and that's the only way you can acquire the property you're looking at. So.
0: Well, that's the reason that folks do it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's their biggest source of, of uh, wealth, so they're right. going to just tap into that and, and try to buy something out of that. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. Uh, when we get back, we'll answer some more financial questions. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Jarrett McKenzie and Melanie Wells. That is my my anthem right there, guys. I I like some thrift shop. I didn't
3: expect that one to be the edited version.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, well. <laughs>
3: Good thing I wasn't yeah, being along. we
0: we would all be yeah we would all be somewhat offended, except obviously Melanie, who would have just blurted out a a curse word. Um, See, I'm
3: a bad millennial. I'm there, millennial. there you go.
0: She she, uh, we, we saved it. Yeah, good job, Melanie, for not doing that. Um, you don't really want to
3: hear my singing voice anyway. <laughs> oh, no.
0: I, now I do. Uh, we're going to have to rig I, this up. We
3: lose some listeners. We're going to have a bonus thrilled. segment
0: this show. People, yeah, the end. People's, people's uh, fine china breaking on the shelf. Is exactly. that going to be it? All right. Um, we uh, we appreciate the questions you guys send us and we would uh love to hear from you specifically if you have a question you'd like to send us you can uh call us at 1-855-429-9166 that's our question hotline uh you get a recording on that line uh wherein you can leave your uh question uh on a recording back to us we play it on the air uh, answer right behind it if you prefer to talk to a human you can call us 770 770- Four two nine nine one six six. That, by the way, is the uh, number where, if you have a specific question you would like to ask Jarrett or Melanie, um, both of whom are financial planners and uh, well skilled in uh, in answering financial questions, especially about financial planning. Uh, you can get them again at seven seven zero four two nine nine one six six. If you'd like to email us your questions, you can get us at com. That's spelled D R G E N E. At H E N S S L E R dot com, uh, our website is hensler dot com. Uh, you can go on there and find all kind of information, uh, mostly on financial topics. You're not going to hear about how to how to stare down a seagull or any of that. You got to listen to the real show to get the 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 premium. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, you you can go there to answer questions on uh, uh, of financial nature. And uh, we have plenty of them on there. So, uh, guys, this kind of uh, coattails onto uh, the question that we were covering over the last couple of segments. And uh, it's Annie from Loganville writes, uh, what is a self-directed IRA and do I need one? So we were talking about a self-directed IRA, which is uh, the vehicle that you would have to use if you were going to hold real estate in your IRA. Again, for many reasons, we do not recommend that. But... Uh, what do you What do you answer from uh, Annie from Loganville? What is a direct, uh, self-directed IRA, and do I need one?
3: Probably the easiest question we've ever gotten.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, straightforward. <laughs> the Annie. answer. You like it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, do you need one? I would say only if you are looking to acquire real estate because otherwise I don't know why you you would be necessarily looking for the self-directed one unless of course there were some other of these one-offs that you know that can that a self-directed IRA can hold which is all the uh, is is really behind the self-directed IRA is, you know, these other things that are maybe not necessarily the traditional types of investments like stocks and bonds. The self-directed IRAs can hold the collectibles, the real estate, the, I think Art you said work. wine earlier. Wine. Yeah, artwork.
0: My oil uh, rig, I can put that in there, <laughs> maybe. You, you have to
2: double-check that, but yeah. I think yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, a self-directed IRA is not a, a separate type of IRA necessarily. It's a tax-deferred account held at whatever custodian you choose to work with. Whether or not they allow for one is a different question because not all of them do, and the ones that do uh, will probably require some additional paperwork and detail to be filed on whatever these non-traditional assets that you're acquiring or looking to acquire uh, are going to be. Um, but again, unless you are looking to own any of those, you know, again, non-traditional type assets in your IRA, then you don't need one. Uh, so uh,
0: again, the draw is the fact that n- most people the very first savings that they ever put aside is going to be from an i r a going to be you know tax deferred money, so it quite often is the source of their uh source of their wealth that they try to tap into but again, because of a similar situation with uh with a home with it being illiquid, you know you can 't sell it quickly, and if you tried to sell it quickly you 're going to have to take a pretty significant discount mm-hmm. and the fact that at the end of your life, 70 and a half, that's not the end, but, you know, in the autumn of your life, we'll call it, <laughs> sure. uh, the government starts saying, hey, you know what, we let you save this for a long time without charging you tax on it, but now it's time to pay the piper, and uh, and they require you to take money out of the account. If you've got an illiquid acid, asset and that's the only thing uh, that you have in there, you've got a problem. So, yeah. So, you, uh, you know, that's that's uh, kind of the way you got to look at it. So, I wonder I mean,
3: if drinking the bottle of wine counts. <laughs> uh,
2: well, <laughs> yeah, premature distribution from the IRA. Again. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you take the asset I don't want to find out. out and I don't <laughs> recommend
3: anybody do yeah. that. Either. put
0: your collectible wine uh in your IRA. Uh you know, you'd have to be pretty sure that the asset's going to appreciate in value
1: too. Well, and, and that's
2: the what, you know, as far as custodians requiring additional things when it comes to what you're going to own. They would want to see some, you know, is this being kept in a place where it's locked away and that, you secure, know, so, right? Exactly. It's not just sitting on your counter in the kitchen, kind yeah. of thing, you know. Um, so we we get in the in the few instances we have helped clients with uh, these self-directed IRAs. It's quite a process to gather all the additional information that the custodians want in order to uh, get that going. So just be prepared if if you do decide to uh, take that direction, Annie.
0: All right, so uh, here's a question that might be right in my wheelhouse. Todd from Marietta writes, uh, I hold Apple stock. uh, While they beat earnings, rumor is they're hurting because of phone sales and our trade war with China. I look at uh, other tech, and everything seems so overvalued. Are we in a tech bubble? Well, you know, probably what feels like a tech bubble to me at the moment is some of the securities that we've seen uh, have initial public offerings lately, uh, when, when there is, uh, seemingly so little, um, value, or at least I can't make out much, um, and, and you see the prices that they go for, it, that's the piece that feels more like the tech bubble. When I look at technology, um, the, the sector within, uh, the S&P 500, uh, it doesn't look horribly overvalued. When I look at, uh, at the stock of Apple specifically, um, I generally like to look at the PEG ratio. A PEG of one, I feel like, is is uh, pretty reasonably priced. Apple right now is at 1.88, uh, which means that's their forward PE. That means today's price divided by 12 months from now's earnings. So it's a growth kind of measure divided by the uh, the expected growth from analysts. So it's how much you're paying for the growth that's expected uh Within that particular stock at one point eight eight it's uh it's expensive but not horribly expensive uh <clears throat> when I talk about Apple, I will tell you that uh, it's one of the securities that we recommend for clients to own uh right now some of the some of the growth that we 've seen has been the the ear pods the the new wireless oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, i you know i won 't buy these things for my kids but uh I will tell them, and I'll take them to the store if they got the money. (laughs) And uh, believe it or not, both of my daughters have bought their own ear
2: Good for them. Which
0: uh, I was surprised at, but it's uh, obviously uh, uh, an expense that they find worthwhile.
2: Well, I think it is that kind of thing that... Makes you know declining iPhone sales and things like that with Apple not so concerning. While that has been their core business and, and a primary revenue generator in the past, how much better can you really make a smartphone these days? I, yeah. I think that's why it's declining because yeah. they're yeah. focusing. Yeah, exactly. They're, they the, the, they want to go into the wearables now, the watches, the glasses, uh, you know those those pods, and mm-hmm. they're making those things that they're starting to even integrate with healthcare and that's really, I think, where the future's at because you can only improve the camera on your phone so much more, right? I mean, there's, there's some cool things that maybe you can do, like Samsung's folding smartphone and all, but at the end of the day, there's really not a whole lot more room to improve that, and so I think naturally at some point those are going to start to decline. And that's what you're seeing, but as long as the, the revenues and the earnings don't do the same thing, then I don't see it as much of a concern.
0: Yeah, I, when I look at Apple stock, <clears throat> it looks a little over 19%. Uh, overvalued you know but if you look at the overall market it's the overall market the S&P 500 is about 24% overvalued so my opinion it's not as bad as as yeah. the stock and remember it's just been a few years ago that uh iPod sales were the big driver uh of of earnings in mm-hmm. Apple so uh you know it's not all that crazy When you stop and think about it from that point of view. Well, folks, it's uh, all the time we have. I'm going to tell you, next week the market's going to be up. Jarrett, what do you think? Got to be from here. Melanie. Definitely up. All right. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week.
4: All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed.